It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, April 10th, LA Galaxy 3 0. Losers in Houston, disaster in Houston, absolute disaster. Basically, you know what the show is going to be about today. That's going to be really the the talking point there. Obviously, getting ready for an El Trafico coming off of worst start for the LA Galaxy. It feels like in forever. I'm sure Kevin and I could probably figure out that they had less points in 97 by this. But does that really matter? I don't know if we really need to look at it. Um, but we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, including Douglas Costa, Martin Casares, Greg Vanny, Chris Klein. I'm sure all that stuff will come into play as we get you ready for El Trafico coming up on Sunday. So a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to get to. Welcome back to the show, and we're glad to actually have him back, Mr. Kevin Baxter. How's it going, Kev? Oh, I'm a lot better than the Galaxy are. This is the worst start in franchise history, by the way. Isn't that fun? Isn't Six that fun? games, no wins. Yeah, I know, but technically speaking... Technically speaking, if I remember correctly, on my through six games chart, uh, 1997, which was the second year in existence, I think through six games, they had like two points or three points or something like that. It was right there at it. So while you're correct, no wins. Um, I think there were some there were some points and some different things that sort of happened in the in the shootout era in 97 that may have put some of that stuff in there. You know who played for that team? Uh, Greg Vanny. Yes, he did. OK, good. I'm like. I love it. See, we already got a first super chat, by the way. Philip gave us a $2 super chat and he's channeling his best Taylor Twelman. What are we doing? What are we doing? So there you go. That's it for $2. Well, here, I, I, will, I will give you this little nugget to start things off. I was going to say this, but, but I know this show is going to be a real downer. So just to add some positivity to the show, this game on Sunday, the El Trafico between unbeaten LAFC and the winless Galaxy, it'll be... At least it will be the second game in MLS history since at least 2014. Apparently, the stats don't go back beyond that. Right. In which a winless team is playing an unbeaten team this late in the season. Okay? Follow along, right? Yes. Winless team, unbeaten team. Right. The last time this happened was in 2019 when LAFC, which was 4-0-2, went to Vancouver to play the winless Whitecaps. Vancouver won that game one to nothing. Oh, So here we have... Here we have LAFC on the road playing again as a winless team. Right. So anything is possible. Uh, so what you're saying is there's a chance. You're, you're saying <laughs> there's, a, there's chance. a chance. Of course, that 2019 team did not have Denny Buanga, did not have yeah, all the players that LAFC has now. No, I, I mean, I understand that. We're, this is – it's not often that you see a, a team implode – 
the way that they did. See, it's it's not the three nothing scoreline. And and if you were living under a rock, it was it was three nothing was the was the final score. Um, not that not any nearly of, as, not nearly as close as the final score would indicate. Right. I mean, yes and no. I mean, it's just it's such a weird game. Um, but to watch veterans like Martin uh, Costas and 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 Douglas Costa. Listen, Douglas Costa is going to be on my list. Um, because I was here, I was defending him last uh, last show, saying you know the LA Galaxy season could really hinge on a on a positive Douglas Costa on somebody doing things, and I had for a second I had I believed I had believed Kevin that Douglas Costa like Chicharito right Chicharito came in and he had a he had a bad season and he comes in and he redeems himself totally redeems himself right and he comes in and I'm like you know what this is this is Douglas Costa's year he looks like he's in shape. Uh, you know, I liked the, his movement in the, in the one game that we saw him for about 12 minutes. I was like, I like his movement. I like that. He seems to have some speed. It seems to have some creativity. I go, I like that. If he can put that together in a consistent performance, then that, that makes sense. And now having said that and watching the game that, that uh, happened on Saturday, I will tell you that Douglas Costa probably doesn't ever deserve to put on an LA galaxy shirt again. Uh, Martin uh, Caceres, the way that he gets a red card, and we'll talk about it, the way that he gets his red card is so boneheaded that a veteran who is one of your best center backs and a leader on this team probably doesn't deserve to be in the lineup for the next four or five games. That's that's how gross negligent those two players were whenever it came to how they got red carded in this game because this game was over, Kevin, it was over. They didn't need to get red carded. You know, a couple of things that jumped out to me when I saw that is first one was what is going on with Greg Vanny? And I don't think it's Vanny's fault. I think these these are two guys that Caceres is a four-time World Cup player. Douglas Costa is a Brazilian, former Brazilian international that played for Bayern Munich. These guys know better. Um, but you know, the last couple of years, that dressing room has really been held together by Sasha Kleshton, and uh, and he's gone now. And I think that lack of leadership, I mean, one guy can really make a difference. And I think that lack of leadership really helps. And then you look at the just complete, as you said, boneheadedness, the lack of focus and discipline that those guys showed on a team that's that, you know, has a lot of young players. You know, we're talking about Preston Judd and, and Jalen Neal and these guys that are are, are seeing this. And are, are they are they processing the wrong message when they see their veteran players um, go out and do stuff like that? I, I have a here's the thing is and as somebody who is who has watched Victor Vasquez another guy that's missing too yeah, yeah. that was leadership in that locker room I, I have some I have some original reporting that I can sort of tell you what I think you know at least I, I asked what was going on in the locker room right so I have some we can talk about that in a little bit that's a tease um I am at a loss because this is when you look at this game. And you look at how it was played, and, and let's sort of let's start a little bit with the game. Just, uh, just much like Greg Vanny's post game, whenever we waited for him for a long time. Let me tell you, we waited for Greg Vanny for a long time because we waited for Greg Vanny for a long time. Uh, we waited for Mark Delgado longer. I'll tell you how all that went down as well. Um, but we waited for for Greg Vanny, and then I got the first question I asked him, and Greg answered it. But he was he was he's he was agenda driven, right? He Kevin, he already knew he had things that he wanted to say. So it didn't really matter what my first question was. He was going to say the things that he was going to say. And he says something. He goes, you know, I almost don't want to talk about the game, right? That was basically it's like it's almost not about the game. It's almost not about the tactics, right? There's nothing tactical about this game um, outside of the fact that uh, Vanny says, you know, they left. They they allowed too many spaces. They did. some. This was not a good game for the Galaxy. Bottom line, not a good game. But 
Fanning was like, this is a, not about tactics. And he's, he's right. It wasn't about tactics at that point because there is no tactical decision that you can make that makes Martin Caceres uh, go up to the referee while he's in the VA. You know, they have a little box around the VAR monitor, right, Kevin? You know, it's a little dotted line and you're not yeah. allowed in there as a player whenever they're going to a VAR view. In fact, if you step one foot in there, it's an automatic yellow card. Martin just decided to go up and put his sh- hand around the guy's shoulder. And by the way, I think they got that call right. Okay, I think that that probably. I, I, by the way, I love the I love the replay of that. The look on the official's face—it's like he turned around. You here? <laughs> you can't be here. Uh, um, I just—it's it, just—there's it, nothing that you can do. There's there's nothing that can prepare you for that type of meltdown. Now, I think that meltdown started earlier, and I think it started whenever the LA Galaxy got that penalty kick call that went in their favor. Right. And that was the first time this year that a penalty kick call had gone in the LA Galaxy's favor. Everybody's like, finally, this is this is this is the time. It's finally time. Um, so they went and just before Pooja's ready to take it, uh, VAR calls and they're like, hey, you need to take a look at this. Referee goes to the video monitor and he waves it off again. I think they probably got that call right. You could argue that perhaps that there was content. Here's here's my argument on that. There's a foul on Jovalich that should have been called that wasn't called. So for me, that's the argument. If you want to make the argument is that one, because um, I think the memo one was probably he probably got the ball before he got the person. And so it's not necessarily coming through the back and that in that particular season. So I think they got the call right on terms of what they reviewed. I think they missed the Jovalich one or they didn't have an angle that that purposely absolutely showed them 100% that there was a clear and obvious error on the first Jovalich call because Jovalich goes down and then he bounces back up and is able to get the ball back to, to Memo Rodriguez, right? Now, if Jovalich stays on the ground in this particular case, Kevin, maybe he gets a call, right? And we can say, okay, maybe that's something that happens. But I think that broke the LA Galaxy. They are a frustrated bunch. You knew that whenever Greg Vanny came out after the Seattle game, and berated the officials and said how many you showed us what a chicken wing was and what a handball was and all that things. That's Greg Vanny uh, sort of giving voice to the frustration of that club. Right. And so but is Greg is Greg Vanny melting down, too, do you think? No, I, I don't. don't. I don't No, No, I don't. Um, so it's it's one of those it's it's one of those things that you sit there and say this team do you remember last year kevin when we were talking about the the fragile mental state of this team and how they were in this slump and we're like they're an overly emotional team and these guys aren't overly this team is still that overly emotional team and when things aren't going their way they will tend to i guess implode um, the level to which they imploded, I quite possibly could never have guessed in my entire life because this was more reminiscent of a Sunday league game than it was a major league soccer game. Greg Vanny can apologize um, for whatever he said, and he can say, you're never going to see it again. And, you know, that is what it is. Yeah, that's a great thing to say. Um, you know, that's really on the players to, to do that more than anything. But for me, um, the the frustration finally hit that that top line, that that fever pitch. And I like the LA Galaxy's chance, and I know this is crazy, but I like the LA Galaxy's chance going down to nothing with Caceres still on the field, with Douglas Costa on the field, with Chicharito on the field, with Judd on the field, right? They had just made this move that finally got all three designated players on the field for the first time all season, and then Caceres gets, goes, goes and gets a yellow card, uh, his second yellow card, and for a red card. And for me, the way that that blows up what Greg was trying to do tactically in that second half, which was go to the 3-5-2, which was to have Chicha and, and Preston Judd up top with each other, 
the level of destruction that that red card causes because you have all these offensive players that you just put into position, Kevin, and you only have three defensive players in the back, right? You you make this into something. You're trying to mold this into the 3-5-2, so you're sending the wingbacks forward, right? You're doing all these things. You take out Raheem Edwards, which he's a wingback, and you're going to put in Douglas Costa, right? You're doing these things, and you're sort of like, what is... The, the ultimate effect that the red card has from Martin Caceres is something the Galaxy probably would never would never recover from, even if Douglas Costas didn't get red card in the last 30 seconds of the game. Well, you mentioned last year when there was the, the frustration. How's that vodka? Is that, that looks good. Yeah, it's just water. It's just water. So, um, you know, when you talk about the frustration last year, first of all, they had Clushton and, and Victor Vasquez last year, which I think helped a lot with some of that stuff. But also, they, they snapped out of the frustration when they got two game-changing players in, in Brugman and, and, and Ricky Puj, they came in and changed things. It's always a much much more fun when you're playing well and you're winning. And I think that had a lot to do with pulling them out of that funk. That's not going to happen this year. They're not going to get game-changing players down the stretch. They have to deal – they have to make this turnaround with what they have in the locker room. And right now, I don't see there's a lot of leadership. Now, yeah, okay, Chicharito's coming back. And by the way, uh, the Galaxy got Chicharito back last week. He played a little bit off the bench. Uh, I would anticipate he would start or play a lot more, at least against LAFC. The right. Galaxy have not won a game without Chicharito on the field since August 14th of 2021. So having him back is is great. Maybe he is the guy who becomes that that game changing, mood changing player. Right. But other than that, you have to look at this locker room and say, "This is it, guys. This we're not getting the Calvary is not coming. This is what we're playing with." Can they regroup? I don't know. I think it's tough. And, and when you look at some of the guys that did make those changes last year. I don't know that Brugman is playing all that well right now. I think Ricky Pooj is not playing well at all. He's very frustrated. That, that's, um, that's BS. Both of those guys are playing fine. I, this is all a matter of wingers and the fact that Galaxy don't have any width. I don't, I don't understand it. I know people really want to get on these guys because they're not seeing the results, Kevin. But Gaston Brugman and Ricky Pooj are not the problem right now. I'm not saying that they're a problem. I'm just saying that I don't think that they, uh, they're they not enjoying their performances as much as they did last year. I think oh, there's yeah, a little absolutely. frustration sitting in with those guys too. I'm not saying they're 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 uh, you know they're the reason, the cause at all. I'm just saying that the way the Galaxy are playing, these guys are not in position to cause the damage that they caused last year. Yeah, this is a team problem though. This is not a Ricky Pooj and a Gaston Bergman problem. They are, they are finding passes and stuff. But the bottom line is that, you know, and we've been talking about this from the very beginning, the wingers. It's the wingers, stupid. It's the outside. I just watched a um, a, a video of the Galaxy last time they played Houston and when they scored. Ricky Pouche scored a goal. Um, this was uh, last year. Uh, and it was Douglas Costa in the center and Costa hitting a ball through the back line to an outside streaking Sam Grantier. Grantier was the one who created the width. All of a sudden now that width pulls defenders apart. Right. And so now there's room in there. And then whenever he cuts the ball back, ball finds Ricky Pooch. Ricky is able to knock it into the back of the net. That's what the Galaxy are missing. Um, you know, they have Tyler Boyd in there who's running through the center, which is fun and all. But there's so many Galaxy players running through the center. That's not going to work. So, again, where are the wingers? If you if if I'm Vanny, I'm making Tyler Boyd start on the outside line, and really creating some width. And then I also go out and find, by the way, you know, a, a Tam or a DP winger on the right hand side because Douglas Costa ain't it. Um, he's not going to provide you the width. Memo Rodriguez isn't going to provide you the width. The, the whole thing. And, and you can look at the L.A. Galaxy's XG through all these games. And we've been saying it throughout the season. The Galaxy are notorious for having a relatively high expected goals, but they chip away at it. There's no quality chances. You can go back and look 
at all the quality, the quote unquote chances that the Galaxy had in this Houston game. And they're going to show you that the Galaxy had an XG of, let's see, 1.1 to Houston's 1.5 and Houston had two penalty kicks. Basically, Houston didn't create many, very many chances outside of their penalty kicks. All right. Um, so but you can go back and look at this and the Galaxy had a 1.1. There's no quality chances in there. The Galaxy had how many shots? 13 shots, 17 shots, something like that. Hold 16, on. 16, 16. Yeah. Six, uh, here, I'll pull it up because I actually have it. Um, yeah, the Galaxy had 16 shots, 16 shots, three shots on goal, 11 block shots. So the story so far of this season has been that the shots they are taking are blocked. The shots that they are getting away are low percentage, right? So what does this tell me? It tells me two things. This is my takeaway from this. Two things. Chicharito hasn't been playing because you know if you get the ball into the box in Chicharito that he's going to have a, a pretty good chance of putting the ball in the back net. Preston Judd hasn't done it, and Dayon Jovalich hasn't done it, okay? And then the other thing is the width. The Galaxy have no width, and we see well, it in the no, passing those, charts and everything else. But, but those two things go together because when Chicharito get, becomes uh, you know, a, a regular player again, he operates right on the edge of that six-yard box, definitely deep in the penalty area. He, If you are not playing wide... In other words, if your wingers aren't much further outside the box, you know, are, 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 you know, within 18 yards of the goal, that means all the other team's defenders are in that box too. That means it's crowded around Chicharito. You, you need to pull your wingers out, which pulls the defenders out, which gives Chicharito a lot more room to operate. And the same would be true of Jovalic, but it's even more important with Chicharito because he's not going to go out and shoot from the top of the box. He needs to be in close to goal. And if he can't, he can't be in close to goal if he's surrounded by six defenders because there's no width. So th those two things go together. He, if, by the way, let's get to some super chats because we've got a bunch of them. Uh, $5 super chat from Raphael says, thanks to Panda for the yesterday's article. Burn it all down. There you go. Kevin. Did you say burn it all down, Kevin? Did you say or did no. you just say clean house? Burn baby burn. Burn baby. <laughs> no, it's just clean house. Yeah. Uh, I was less violent. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Michael gave us a $5 super chat says this team has lost its identity, lost its connection with the fan base. Pray for us on Sunday. Uh, you, I think you'll be okay. You're gonna again. I, these the El Traficos are weird. All right, so don't 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 necessarily worry about that. And maybe it's the exact right thing. We can talk about that. Maybe it's the exact right timing for this to play in a rivalry game without two of your starting veterans. Sure. Uh, Five dollars super chat from uh, the Deviant. Uh, is it possible Klein is colluding with MLS to erase the Galaxy for <laughs> LAFC single entity benefit? I mean, I'm not gonna say yes. I'm not gonna say no. Um, no, that, no, that's, that's not it. That's a, that's a high level thing to try to try and pull off. And I don't think that's happening. Um, the, 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 the issues here are so self-inflicted for the galaxy. And that's the problem uh, again. Um, for me, the galaxy should have been stoked to, get all three designated players back on. Like this was a, this was a goal that everybody was sort of looking forward to getting Costa back, getting Chicharito back. And by, by the way, Chicharito comes in like five or six minutes or, or 10 minutes into the second half. Right. Um, which was way earlier than I thought you were going to see him. And it's like, okay, Hey, here you go. I, I will say this again. If Costa doesn't, doesn't get a red card and they still convert that penalty kick. Um, and I will say that there are two or three really big blown calls in this game. Um, one of them is that Jovalich penalty kick that I sort of talked about. I think that there's a real good, uh, real good chance that Jovalich was fouled, uh, in the, in the buildup to that. Um, the other one is that, uh, Mark Delgado got his back of his foot stomped on straight up, um, almost two footed around. Um, and that was like a borderline red card that got, went completely unpunished. Um, and then there's the encroachment and it's the encroachment on the, on the Caceres penalty. So Caceres, 
draws the penalty. He gives a little penalty away, gets a second yellow card. He gets red card. He comes off and then they go to take the penalty kick. And right in front of the referee, a Houston Dynamo player is a good six yards into the box whenever the penalty kick is taken and nothing happens. Um, there's oh, there's also the back pass that wasn't called as well. There was a clear back pass by Houston into the box. Now, that's a f- indirect free kick inside the box. Those are actually really hard to score anyway. So I'm not going to say that that's a thing, but it's it's something that's very obvious that's missed. And this plays into this to the galaxy psyche, Kevin, for me, it's the we're getting we're getting screwed. Every call is going against us. We're not getting any calls. And then so you have Kosterus out there basically arguing something he should have never been arguing because I thought it was a penalty kick, right? That gets him a red card and that's your veteran move, right? Then you go to Douglas Costa, a guy who played, I mean, if you didn't know he was on the field, I wouldn't be surprised. He didn't have a great, uh, you know, second half that he comes in and shows sort of what he can do. Um, But it's totally, it's a total self implosion for him. Uh, 30 seconds left in the game or, you know, a minute left in the game. This guy is out there thinking that some 18 year old kid who just came out onto the field did something horrible to him. And it's Douglas Costa who healed the ball back, healed the ball away from himself that caused this problem. Well, and, and, and he, it's not like he bumped into the guy and the guy went down and you could argue, Hey, you know, I didn't hit him that hard. He grabbed him around the neck. It was a football tackle. I, I think you were right. We talked before the show started. That's a multi-game suspension. Um, just for the, the the boneheadedness of it, but also you could argue that he went to the face. I mean, I think you largely the neck, but but you could you could argue that that was above and beyond just the normal red card foul. Yeah, it's it's it is, and I I think he's gone for two games, which is really interesting because if you're on the Douglas Costa should never play another game, and and I asked Greg Vanny about it. We can get to some of what Greg Vanny said. Um, but I asked Greg Vanny about what it says that two of his veterans do it. And he goes, you know, they both know that they shouldn't have done it. They both apologized. It's like, okay, here you have Douglas Costa, a guy who's flirting with all of Brazil in the, in the preseason, Kevin, right? Then a guy who, who gets injured apparently, um, and doesn't play for most of the first games of the season, finally comes in, gets 12 minutes the game before and is coming in. This is supposed to be a game you can actually make an impact in, uh, you know, all of that is sort of trashed and thrown out the window by Costa doing stupid things, but it allows Costa to do stupid things. Um, the, the, By the way, you're being way too easy on Costa, uh, is suggesting that he just had this meltdown. That's his third red card in 29 games in MLS. A similar kind of neck tackle last year got him a red card. He has four goals. He's making $4.5 million. He has... In 29 games, three red cards, four goals. Right. Um, and, and by the way, do you think Caceres is in line for a multi-game suspension? No. He touched the referee? No. no, it wasn't violent. He just put his arm. I. It's not going to be. He's he's a one game, and that'll be it, I think. It's because it's still a yellow card. It's a second yellow. It's not even like it's a red, like he violently did anything to the referee. I think he's fine. Um, well, I, you know, outside of being a complete moron and he probably shouldn't say that's the whole thing is that there really should be punishment for this. And Greg Vanny has been somewhat punitive in the way that he's been dealing out minutes this year. And so you would expect that a breach of trust on this scale from both Costa and Costas could cost them both playing time, uh, even whenever they come back. But the really interesting thing is that Costa might come back. Let's say he only gets one game suspension suspension. He ends up coming back on the 22nd. Um, that's only two days before that transfer window closes. There's still a chance for the LA galaxy to ride wrong. I know Hercules Gomez was on Twitter and he was saying, so which contractor the LA galaxy going to buy out this time to save themselves. And he was saying it 
uh, you know, sort of as a, as a, a rhetorical question. In fact, I even came back after I answered it. Uh, he goes, you know, this is a rhetorical question. I go, it can be an rhetorical rhetorical question because it's sort of like the galaxy are trying to buy their way out of trouble again. And it didn't work with geo and it's not going to work with Douglas Costa type thing. But the bottom line is they should buy out Douglas Costa. He should not be on this team. And this is coming from a guy who is ready to defend him ap- after the last game. It's like that level. I thought Costa's red card was so stupid and such an idiotic move and has so many huge ramifications, right? That when Douglas Costa does something even more stupid, it almost forgives Costas for what he did. Although it's so stupid. Um, you have Douglas Costa doing that. Can you imagine being his teammate and trying to go like, you know how whenever they get in, in, in fisticuffs, right? Somebody pushes somebody and then the teammates all come together. And they're like, we're going to protect you, dude. We're going to get you pull away. I would find it real hard as a teammate to run over and try to defend Douglas Costa. Um, because there were a couple of guys that did get in that mix though. But, but it's just like, I can't believe I had to defend you for being that stupid that you hurt the team that much because it's immediately clear. You already knew Casares was going to miss the LAFC game and everybody knew immediately that that was the ramification with that second yellow card. So not only is it stupid, but in a rivalry game in one of the biggest games of the season, you take yourself out of it for something stupid. Right, it's like taking your shirt off twice, you know, and getting a red card for that crap. Then you have no, Doug- it's, it's it's a lot worse than that because that's a <laughs> kind of emotional thing in the minute in the, you know in the spur of the moment. But I mean, you're right about how stupid this is, and and how I think it just shows that there is a lack of focus and a less di- a lack of discipline, not on behalf of the coaching staff. I, I I don't find a lot of fault right now with Greg Vanny, other than he doesn't seem to have a solution to pull the team out of this. Right. But these were totally unforced errors. These were these guys on their own. It wasn't like Greg Vanny put them in position to do that. These were two guys that that have to be. If Greg Vanny were able to pick three or four guys that he trusts because of their experience and the and the level of play that they've shown over their career, right. those two guys are at the top of that list. Nah, and not Douglas Costa. The two guys. Martin, though, for sure. I give you Martin. Douglas Costa's a wild card, and you've even said it. He's a guy you probably can't trust in those situations, right? Maybe he should have been subbed off. I mean, I don't I don't know what the answer to that is. The answer is But he just he just came on. I, I know. I know that. I know that. I'm just trying to how do you create how do you keep that train wreck from happening with him, Kevin? You know, that's the thing. How do you keep that train wreck from happening? How do you get it so that way, you know, it's 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 not it, it's not an issue. You know, it's one of those things. It's like you you try to do these things and you try to get these these guys into these positions and it it, it doesn't happen. And then everybody's going to look at the coach and everybody's going to look at the locker room and everybody's going to be like, oh man, you know, this is, this is messed up. This isn't, this is, you know, there's a bunch of things that are broken. There's a bunch of things that are wrong. And it's, it's weird because I'm just, it's, you're not seeing the LA galaxy do what the, the reaction that you're expecting from them. They're too emotional. Um, and I think we've talked about them being too emotional before. Um, I think we lost Kevin here for a little bit, so I'll, I'll, I'll vamp a little bit and try to uh, wait till he calls back in. Um, Jose, by the way, says, uh, Panda, can we put pressure for Dan Beckerman AG to come out of hiding and address what their plan or lack of plan for this team? Uh, does Steve Bomber want to get into MLS? Oh, Steve. Um, it's, it's frustrating, um, and especially on the heels, I think, of the... Um, uh, especially on the heels of, of the supporters groups meetings, right? Because... From what I heard, and I did have conversations with some people, but from what I heard is, um, you know, that overall the the planning in terms of the vision that Greg Vanny has for this team came across very strongly. Um, and if you're if you're one to be even a little bit optimistic, that seems to be headed in the right direction, 
right? Then you also have, you know, a president in Chris Klein um, that apparently is is didn't even try to get the supporters back. Now, I don't know how much of that is, is true, but I also wonder, um, you know, I kind of wonder how much uh, how much they can really sort of give to um, to Chris Klein in terms of like the leeway to actually negotiate. And the whole deal is I don't I don't think they ever want to negotiate with the uh, with the, the the players themselves or with the with the supporters groups themselves. They're going to continue to not do that. Uh, Kevin, uh, you got a you got a super chat basically, and it was uh, from Jose, and he said, uh, "Can we put pressure for Dan Beckerman, AEG, to come out of hiding and address what their plan is or lack of plan for this team? Does Steve Ballmer want to get into MLS? Do you know Steve? Can you can you send a message?" Wow, that would be interesting. Um, I, I I saw some people on social media talking about maybe AEG will sell the Galaxy and move. Okay, first of all, AEG is not going to sell the Galaxy, I don't think, and MLS is definitely not going to allow them to move. This uh, if for no other reason than the 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 El Trafico is such a big deal for for uh, MLS. So the team's not going anywhere. I, I do think that that Dan Beckerman has mismanaged this team, and I think the the team's greatest success was under Tim Laiwicki, and the momentum carried through the first couple of Beckerman years. But when you look at Beckerman and, and Chris Klein really taking charge of this team in 2017 after Bruce Arena left, and by then Laiwicki had been gone a couple of seasons, there's not a lot to hang your hat on and to say, well, these guys, you know, have they they they, they lost a little bit on their fastball, but they can get it back. No, they never had a fastball. Uh, the um, interesting with with Will Koontz coming on too. Will actually in one of his interviews with the Athletics said uh, that he was devastated that Chris Klein didn't give him a call and give him a chance at the GM job back whenever they were looking for a GM in 2016, 2017. And you're sitting there going, so the Galaxy beat around the bush for X number of years and eventually get Will Koontz into into the the fold on all this, right? But they could have had him at the end of, of 2016. Now, I don't know, and it would be really interesting to talk to Will Koontz and be like, were you ready then? Do you think that you would have had some success being a general manager in that position? Because he was still relatively, it, it would have been less time in Major League Soccer and certainly his time before LAFC, right? And so you have that sort of talk about it. But the bottom line is that they skipped over a guy that now that is in their, in their front office. Well, but, but a couple of things about Will Koontz is really interesting. They added him to the front office. He doesn't right. replace anybody. He's an addition. And I think that's an issue because the people that have made these mistakes and whoever you want to put, point the finger at, whoever you pick, and there's a, not, a number of candidates, those people are still there. You know, Beckerman, Klein, Karaski, they're all still there. Will Koontz is an addition to that front office, right. which means that he's going to have to fight the headwinds that have taken the galaxy to this position in the first place. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is a lot of his duties, according to the press release, are things that Michael Stevens was given purview over when he was hired. Michael Stevens is one of the guys that, from what I can gather, is one of the guys that seems to be doing a good job. And yet now they're giving a lot of his his duties over to Will Koontz. And then the last thing is with Will Koontz in that article that you talked about earlier, he talked about the, the desire to do what successful teams in MLS are doing now, which is different from the Galaxy's MO. Galaxy goes out and gets big-name European players, and they've had some success. Although you look at Zalatan, 50 goals in two seasons, no one playoff win. You know, Gerard, I don't think he had a playoff win. Didn't know, maybe one. Um, you know, Gio, those guys were not, they were big name European players. They came in and some of them played well for a little while, but they didn't have the success that the Galaxy have traditionally had. Will Kuntz says, we're going to go look for young, dynamic, hungry South American, European players, maybe. That's sort of the LAFC model. You look at LAFC with Sinfuentes and, and, and Arango and the people that they brought in, young, hungry, Latin American players that want to prove their worth. Seattle's done that. Atlanta's done that. Cincinnati has done that. 
a lot of the teams that are successful, that's been their model. That's what Will Kuntz wants to bring. But it'll be interesting because the Galaxy have long been, and Beckerman and AEG have been at the forefront of this. They're about selling jerseys. And you bring in a, you know, a young, unknown European, you're not going to sell a lot of jerseys until the guy proves himself. And, and that's why we've seen Zalatans and Chicharitos and those guys come through here because they sell jerseys. Does LAFC, does, excuse me, does the Galaxy want to sell jerseys right. or do they want to win? It seems they've gotten to the point where they can't do both. And that's, I think, the the problem. I mean, listen, Zlatan was a home run. You don't, you, you can't say anything bad one about playoff oh, win, though. Yeah, one, I know. One playoff win. But, but that's about building the team around him. That isn't about, oh, that Zlatan was a big name and that he didn't perform. It's like, no, that wasn't the case. He performed. He was a big name. They, they just didn't have the team around him, right? And that's that's poor planning on, on their part, right? I, I told you this whenever you said, hey, that they want to get in this model. I go, for me, LA is always going to be about stars and it's going to be about winning. And I go, and they've had the stars and now they need the winning part of that. So I'm still, I'm not out on finding big names, but you need to find big names uh, that still have a lot to give somebody like a Robbie Keane, right? Big name had a lot to give. Robbie Keane came in and, and, and he showed what, you know, David Beckham, obviously big name. And then it took forever for them to actually put a team around David. So that way he could win. Um, and then David had to actually, uh, want to play in major league soccer too. Let's not downplay that part. Cause he had one, I had a long, long period of time. He didn't want to play in major league soccer. Well, when one, one thing about Robbie Keane is, is I had a, a chat with Tim Lai a couple of years ago and he talked about, we brought David Beckham in and everyone's, Oh great. David Beckham. He's a great player. And it's going to take this team to the top. If you remember the galaxy struggled for a long time, uh, with, with Beckham and, uh, and Landon Donovan on the same team. Like Wiki said, Beckham was a midfielder. We always knew that we needed another piece. He was only part of the solution. And, and Robbie Keane, in Tim Laiwiki's words, was the guy that really changed everything. And so it was a two-part process. And you're right, they got Zalatan, but they needed another piece to that puzzle. They did. I would argue that, that you, can, you can still be successful and sell shirts. Um, they're not, they're not you know, mutually exclusive, but you look at, say, Seattle with Raul Rui Diaz. They brought him in. Nobody knew who he was. He won. And guess what? It's one of the best-selling shirts in MLS. So, uh, you know, I hate to beat that metaphor, but the idea is if the guy comes in and performs and you win, then he becomes then he becomes a star. If, he, if he's a star when he comes in and they don't win, it doesn't mean anything. Um, we got a $2 super chat from uh, the Deviant. says, uh, plot, plot twist, uh, Costarus and Costar are both Klein out. See, they're, they were, they're, they're moles on the inside, right? That's what's, that's what's happening. That's, in, that's interesting. I, interesting take. Uh, Sergio, a $5 super chat. Thanks for the article, Kevin. The Galaxy should really listen. I don't... They, I don't think they read you, right? Didn't we talk about that? They, they, they hate me like poison. <laughs> I think I'm going to be. I think they're going to make me sit with the visiting media on Sunday. They, they should. Uh, it's uh, executive producer Herb is here in in the chat. Twenty dollars, twenty eight dollar and seventy five cent uh, super chat. Thank you, uh, Herb. Uh, he says, "Hey Josh, hey Kevin, thank you for the articles." Kevin is the front office aware of how much bad publicity the team is getting, i.e., Hercules Gomez, Taylor Twelman, and Klein out signs at away games. Shout out to all, to uh, El Tráfico Radio and Mike Gray and uh, and Alex Ruiz as well. So. Um, do you think they're aware? They're they're aware. Oh, they're very aware. Yeah, they those guys have rabbit ears. They are very thin skinned They know everything that's that's said about them. Um, and uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, last home game, when there was the the demonstration out front, both you and I and I would guess other reporters were hounded by our reporting on the number of people there. The Galaxy did not want to talk about the fact they didn't win the game. They didn't want to talk about the fact they were playing poorly. They didn't want to talk about injuries. They didn't want to talk about anything. They wanted to push back on the number of protesters that we said were involved in our, uh, that we cited in our stories. And at one point, the Galaxy told me how many 
identified uh, uh, supporter group members had actually scanned tickets into the stadium. That doesn't mean those supporter group members were in the stadium. That means someone used their ticket and it was scanned in. Right. But the, that's the galaxy's big thing is, oh, there is no boycott. Well, you know, I'm like, you want to talk about the game? You want to <laughs> talk about what happened on the field? No, no, no. We want to talk about your criticism of our front office. And that's where they are. Yeah, they uh, they they read every single word. Yeah, they do. Um uh, Lex, by the way, five dollars super chat. If you're under, if you are an undecided LA soccer fan, let's say you're born into this wonderful Los Angeles cauldron that is around here. You are undecided, Kevin. You are trying to pick the team that you're going to support for the rest of your life, and you have the choice between LAFC and the LA Galaxy. So this is Lex. He says, if you're an undecided LA soccer fan in 2023, why would anyone pick the LA Galaxy over LAFC? Klein's incompetence, and this is Lex saying this. Just want to be clear. Uh, Klein's incompetence will be felt for the next 20 years. There is a rollover and there is, it, it was, it was interesting. We were arguing in the discord a little bit, Kevin, and we were talking about it and they're like, you know, you know, the galaxy always get everybody's best game because everybody wants to beat the galaxy and the whole deal. I said, the galaxy have nobody has been scared of the galaxy in that way since maybe the last 10 games of the 2022 season. But before that, like 2015, 2016 was the last time anybody was actually scared of the LA galaxy. I just don't believe it anymore. They get run over. I imagine teams look at the schedule and look at the LA galaxy and go, yeah, we can beat them. Right. I mean, is there is there something outs and they started to change that the last 10 to 12 games of 2022. We all knew going into the playoffs. Nobody wanted to play them. Right. And you're like, you don't want to play the Galaxy right now. And that's the type of team that you expected to come out here in 2023. The changes mean that that hasn't happened. Um, but when we look at this, the the 20 years and just the the ability for this to continue to play out well past um, whatever happens this season is, is real damning for the LA galaxy because it's, it's kind of hard to argue that they haven't completely seeded over the attention of Los Angeles, at least in the city, uh, to, to LAFC. Well, and that's why the, the, as we've talked about ad nauseum, the boneheaded red cards in Houston are so damaging because they're damaging as Greg Vanny said to the brand. Uh, I don't know that I'd use brand necessarily, so, but, as, but say that, do you think that's a bad thing that he said brand? Because I know there's, I know there's pe people who no, are very no. I was upset just alluding to the fact. I know there's, I, I don't, and I've talked to some other people, and they agree. Other soccer people, they agree. But, but I'm just saying that you know, some people did take exception to that. But irrespective of the language, what he was talking about is, you know, when he came in, one of the things he talked about uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago, is he talked about the culture, rebuilding the culture, the culture he grew up with when he was here. That was very that in soccer, that is the the beat all and end all. That is where everything starts and stops. Culture. He was talking about rebuilding the culture. The LA Galaxy culture under Bruce Arena and even before under Ziggy and, and other coaches when they were successful, they didn't have guys going up to – well, they didn't have VAR then. But if they had it, they wouldn't have had guys going up into the VAR booth and, and attacking the officials. They wouldn't have had guys throwing people to the ground with 50, 30 seconds left in stoppage time. It's that culture, and that culture is hard to rebuild even if you were to win. That doesn't necessarily rebuild the culture. And, and the, the team I always compare the Galaxy to – is the New York Yankees. They're always the class of the league. They were the right. ones that did everything right, and they won, and they didn't make mistakes, and they didn't melt down. And they were like the um, evil empire too, right? They're the, everybody hates them because they're successful, and they spend the most money, and they do things just be – they do things to make sure that they are the top – of the league every single they stay, year. I mean, little things like they stay at the best hotels and they fly the best flights and they eat at the best. All those little things, even things you don't see, 
that's what the New York Yankees were about. And then in the late 60s, early 70s, they had a bad spell before George Steinbrenner brought them from CBS, where they were not, they were in a similar position to the, to the Galaxy. Everything they touched turned to bronze. They didn't do well. George Steinbrenner came in and rebuilt that. And a lot of little things that you think are stupid, but they really had an impact, like no facial hair. We're the Yankees. We don't have beards and mustaches. Right. Stupid, I know. But it built that culture. And the Galaxy are in that position now where it, it may, in fact, take a major front office change or a change in ownership or something. It's just not going to – the culture is not going to be rebuilt simply by winning. Right. Things like the Houston game are going to take a long time, I think, to overcome. Uh, L.A. Galactico says, uh, will blackout slash takeover by LAFC have some ramifications in the front office? Will heads finally roll? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to show up there and find out, right? I, th- I think this game could – has potential. I'm not predicting, but I just, from what I'm seeing on the secondary ticket market and other places, I think LAFC is going to be very loud in that stadium without the Galaxy supporters. Uh, you know, there may be more Galaxy fans in the building, probably will be, but LAFC fans will, will be the noisier ones. I think if LAFC has a one-sided win, it'll be incredibly embarrassing. I don't know whether management is going to care. Right. I mean, they'll tell you they do, but their actions, I don't think, will tell us that they do. And so we'll see if, if the, it, you know, in a sense, in a sense, and this sounds really stupid to say, and I probably shouldn't say it, but I'm stupid, so I will. A one-sided LAFC win may be the one thing the Galaxy management needs to, to an embarrassing nationally televised situation in their own stadium may be what it takes to wake them up. Right. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm concerned because there's certainly a – and I, I've seen it and somebody said this to me and, and I will repeat sort of what they said. They said, you know, there's supporter sections that are in there that are just for LA Galaxy fans coming up for this. If LAFC fans find their way into those sections, those actual supporters group sections, the LA Riot Squad, the Victoria Block sections, and there is video of LAFC fans in those sections and doing the things that uh, they're cheering on LAFC. How do you come back from that as a supporters group? Your team not only doesn't respect you enough, and, and this is some of my opinion, doesn't respect you enough to, to engage in maybe honest uh, conversations about how they want to go about things and, and how they want to not pay attention to you, right? Um, and then they allow those supporters groups, for the, somebody from the other team supporters group, your rival, to go into those stands. I, I Just saying that there's not a lot of way back from that that I can see. Um, and so I'm concerned that, that there's going to be violence for those reasons is that people aren't going to want people in those empty sections, um, and whether or not the LA galaxy are going to protect those sections, even though they're going to be relatively empty. Um, I just, I just think it's an interesting little side note to a game that is going to be, you know, gigantic. Um, what what you, you've talked about a number of times and and we talked the last couple of days off the air about this and you've talked about, look, Records don't mean anything going into El Trafico. It's a totally different game. Right. And, and I get that. And the Galaxy have never lost in El Trafico at home. They're 6 0 and 2. But the circumstances around this one are something we've never seen before. They're, it, they're totally different. I would never bet on, first of all, never bet on an El Trafico. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, I think there is a perfectly good chance that the LA Galaxy come out and win that game. I, I think there's a part, that's not being optimistic. But, that's just understanding what El Trafico is. But I, I would. But then without. Caceres in the middle and Dennis Denny Buanga having, you know, he's he has eight shots on target this year in MLS and six goals. And that doesn't even include what he's done right. in, in Concord Champions League. He has 11 goals in nine games. And he's a guy that plays right up the middle. And now you don't have any, you're, you're, you're probably your best, if not your second best 
Center, center back. And then Sega Kulabale so, hasn't been playing, so he's not in there. So it's probably Mavinga who comes in. And does Mavinga and Neil have the same partnership that Caceres has? It's it's a nightmare scenario. It's not what you want to do. I'm just saying, don't count the Galaxy out on this strictly for the fact that it's an El Trafico. Now, if you're asking me to, right now to pick, I'm saying the Galaxy loses this game. It shouldn't even be a question. But because it's El Trafico, it is a question. Um, and so and I, the Galaxy uh, and the Galaxy are, the, you know, if we're talking about how embarrassing that game was, you don't think the guys on the team know that the guys that still do have some pride. And there are many. Um, there are some that don't clearly, but there are guys that still have a lot of pride. Um, they know they're playing their Derby game at home against an unbeaten rival. Um, this is a chance for them to, to make a statement and to say the first six games didn't mean anything. Right. So, you know, there's that. That's part of it, too. I was looking at uh, 538 and they had like a simulated season for the LA Galaxy that they think they're going to get around 45 points. Right. So for the LA Galaxy to get 45 points um, through the next 28 games, they have to average like 1.6 uh, points per game. That's probably just enough to get like the 45 points over those next 28 games. So it doesn't even count the three points they already have. But they're they're, they're th- they're 13 points out of first place right now. Yes. They have no no team in MLS has fewer wins, zero, uh, fewer points, three, and only one has fewer goals, three. They've been shut out three times in six games. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's they haven't been scoring. Well, one is Chicharito. Again, you get three DPs on the field for the first time. I even had to ask this question to Greg whenever it's like you finally get three DPs and it all goes awry. That's not it's 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 one. It's totally fair to judge the LA Galaxy on having no wins through their first six games. Absolutely fair. There's no, how could you not judge them on that, right? It's also totally fair to sit there and say this team probably isn't where it's going to be in the next month to to, to six weeks, right? I mean, we understand there's you know uh, Julian Aude Aude is coming in, and apparently, um, despite the fact I was coached on it, I was coached incorrectly or I interpreted it incorrectly, which is probably the case. But it, it's Aude, um, so. Uh, whenever he comes in, uh, that's going to be something because that's a left back. I mean, you want to know, and there was a big hubbub because Raheem Edwards apparently got all ticked off that Greg Vanny was subbing him for Douglas Costa. And Raheem possibly even, and the commentator said this, but we never saw it on camera, Raheem uh, possibly even pushed Vanny like away, like get away from me, the whole deal. Do you think Raheem Edwards is under a little bit of pressure because his starting spot is going away? Uh, you know, they got Julian Aude to come in and and be that guy. Everybody knows it. It's just like Caligari came in. Leardam knew that he was going to be on the bench as soon as Caligari came in. Caligari's starting. Caligari's not going back there for a long time, as far as I can tell. Ade is probably the same way. He's going to go to the left back spot and he's going to stay there. So do you think maybe Raheem Edwards and him being all upset at Greg Vanny had something to do with the fact that he knows that his starting spot is going away, that he's going to become off the bench and probably be more of a winger replacement on that left side, maybe play in a more 3-5-2 whenever the Galaxy go into that, whenever they need goals, and he's going to be an attacking player instead of this defensive player, and he likes st- playing every single game? That probably has something to go into it. So I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, but you can't, act that, you can't act that way with the coach. You can't. I think that, that goes, goes back to, again, the lack of focus and 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 leadership in that locker room by the way the galaxy are not going to get 45 points however when you look at this roster this team is too good collectively and individually not to make the playoffs when nine teams make the playoffs yeah. so i think there's going to be a rally i do think that they're going to make the playoffs they could be the eighth or ninth team when you look at the teams in the western conference the galaxy are not uh, again collectively and individually not talking about how they've performed but if they can get some leadership in the locker room, if they can p- sort of get past this little bad bad stretch, they should be a playoff team. However, you know, again, I, I didn't know about the Raheem Edwards thing because it wasn't on TV. But if you have a guy pushing the coach when he comes out, if you have two guys get boneheaded red cards, man, it, I don't know. It's just it just 
the talent is there, but there's a lot missing. I'll say this, and now here, let me go, let me go to original reporting. Okay, so we can I can put some context in this as well. People said Vanny lost the team. No, he didn't. And and they tried to say this last year as well, and that wasn't the case last year either. Um, this team really does enjoy Greg Vanny. Um, I think that they're frustrated and you can say that it's not okay for them to take out the frustrations the way they are. And I agree, but they're frustrated. Um, I think that they know they've played better than, than what their record shows, but that imagine the pressure that's on everybody right now. Uh, and it's not just winning games and doing all that stuff. It's the outside stuff too. It's a supporters group protest. The players are asked about it. The coaches are asked about it all the time. That is something that's on their mind. Um, I know that, that they want to perform well to try to win people back. Right. And that's in their mind. That's the way to do it is go out there and win games. And they're not doing that. And so they know Vanny knows it. The players know it, that they're feeding into this narrative that, you know, that the supporters groups are correct. And I'm not making a judgment call on that. I think the supporters groups have every right to protest, but there's, they're basically feeding into by losing these games, by not being competitive. And quite honestly, by blowing up the way that they did in Houston, that shows, Hey, this is why those guys are protesting is that there's, there's, there's nothing going on here. They're not making the correct choices whenever it comes to the management of this club from for, for years. You know what they should do? This worked a couple of years ago with AFC Richmond. You come to the stadium at midnight and get a big barrel and you you put a fire in there and then and then all the players have to throw something right. into the barrel. It's but and, and that but yeah, that'll I, turn things around. That will not not bad. Good Ted Lasso reference. Don't tell me anything about the next season. I have not watched it. I'm waiting for them to gather up. Okay, I'm just I'm, I don't I <laughs> okay. like to binge. Um, but I will tell you, I talked to I talked to a, a player. I said, tell me about the locker room, and this player said the locker room's fine for me. It's it's a locker room. The guys like each other. We like playing for Greg Vanny. No, we, he hasn't lost the team because um, I specifically asked that. Has he lost the team? Or are you guys just sort of like, are you done with him? I go, that can happen. You know, the whole deal. This player's like, no, he hasn't lost the team. Um, you know, we'll go out there and we want to fight. He, he and, and this particular player, I, I guess I can say he, that's fine. Uh, he says, um, you know, he, he says that there's a lot of pressure and they know they need to get better quick. And they know there's not a lot of time to do that in order to get into these uh, better positions that sort of make things go. They know they're under pressure. They know they're under the gun. I'm not saying that doesn't happen to every soccer team, Kevin, but with all of the outside influences going on with this team, if you don't think that the supporters group protest has an effect on the players and on the coaches, it does. It has an effect on the entire front office. You know that, right? So you can see that. I, here's the interesting thing. And I was talking a little bit about the supporters group meeting um, and, and people I had talked to about it and we know that there was an org chart in there and basically it was Chris Klein and then it was Vanny and then everybody was under Vanny. Uh, under Vanny was Will Kuntz and, and Jovan Karofsky. They were the, the VPs, right? Um, and then everybody else was under those guys, right? So that's how the, the thing goes. So we can infer that the only person who can fire Greg Vanny right now is Chris Klein. All right. The only person who can fire Chris Klein is Dan Beckerman. All right. That's how this goes. And so you and I talked about this, Kevin. There's zero chance that Chris Klein can fire Greg Vanny right now. Even if you are on Team Vanny out and you want him gone because he's not a good coach, um, which I, I'm not on that. But um, if you want him gone and he's like, there's zero chance Chris Klein is firing Greg Vanny because what happens if he fires Greg Vanny? That's another coach that Chris Klein had to fire that didn't get it right, that was wrong. There's almost zero chance that Beckerman lets that slide with Chris Klein and that Chris Klein stays there. You're 
there have been four permanent coaches, and by permanent, I mean that they're not there forever. I mean they're right. not an interim coach like like Dominic. Four coaches since Bruce left, none of them have a winning record. Greg Vanny now is at five hundred. Ziggy, Guillermo, and 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 Anafo all have losing records. So, what does that say about the judgment of Chris Klein and the coaches that he's hired? Yep. I, no, I mean that's sort of the thing. It's like there's there that's it's a direct reflection on Klein if he has to fire Greg Vanny, which is why he won't do it. Another reason he's not going to fire, and, and fire then Greg Vanny. And then there's no excuse. It's also, there's no excuse. I mean, if right. if the team continues to go south, I expect the long knives to come out, and there will be a lot of whispers from unnamed people about how poor the coach is, and really Chris Klein is providing him with all these players, and he's not performing. If you remove the coach, then all of a sudden there's only one guy left who's responsible for everything. Right. And that's not where Chris Klein wants to be. No, no. And I, I don't believe that. The other part about this is that everything that is going on right now, and I was told that this was a, an impressive presentation during the supporters group meeting. Um, everything that's going on right now is at the direction of Greg Vanny. He's in charge of this vision, this revamp, this infrastructure rebuild. And I was told by a couple of people that the infrastructure that Vanny is putting into place is impressive in a presentation, very polished presentation, looked very good. Right. So, um, there's there's some reasons that you're going to one that I think if you're an LA Galaxy fan, you let Greg Vanny cook. Um, I think this team is underperforming. I think that they will be better, but they have to address some things. One of those things is a winger. And I, I again, I don't know how you tolerate Douglas Costa's performance after that. Um, for me, he never plays again, but that's just me. Um, so whenever you do those things, that's why. So so nobody's going anywhere. That's that's basically it. By the way, somebody asked who fires Dan Beckerman. I would imagine that Phil Phil can Phil can fire uh, Dan Beckerman, but I bet that's probably it. Well, one of the things you talked about, from what I heard about the meeting, and I didn't hear nearly as much as you did, but that Chris Klein was at the meeting, correct? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, he was. Uh-huh. And, and that one of the things that he kept saying, he kept apologizing, was, I know I'm not going to win you guys over. I know I'm not going to win you guys over. I know you guys aren't going to want to keep me. Uh, but he never did anything to try to win them over. He never said, what can I do? I'm not, I really don't want to get, I really, you know, I love this club. I want to stay here. What can I do? There was none of that. There was just like, you guys hate me and I'm not going to, you know, right. so what? I'm not going to do anything about it. Right. Well, I think that's it's, not the approach you want to take. I think you want to come in hand in hand, even if you don't believe it, even if you're insincere, you want to come in with your hat in your hand and say, golly gee, I, I would um, love it. I, if, I would love it if you guys came back. What can I do to get you guys back in the stands? Because but we, that's not we what need he said. You. He said exactly the opposite. And and I understand that's probably I mean, it's bad. It's like whenever, Kevin, you get nasty emails that tell you that you don't know how to do your job or I get all the morons on here who told me what I was going to say on this show before I had the show. Um, which, by the way, if you want a way to get blocked, that's probably the number one way to do it is to tell me what I'm going to say on my show before I say it on my show. People have no idea what I'm going to say. On my show, you may think I'm what? Wait, what did somebody call me? What did the the Ted Lasso? Optimistic Ted Lasso. Yes, that's me. I I may be. I tend to be a realist about this. Is that I can look through the first six games of the season and say there were some real, there were some good games in there. Uh, the Galaxy played well, and they probably don't deserve to be winless at this point. They probably deserve to have maybe one or two wins. Is that good enough for where the Galaxy should be? Probably not, right? But that's probably where they're. Houston was not one of those games. Houston, they played like crap. I don't know, and and don't let don't let Portland, the XG Portland, lie to you. Port, Portland was a game they could have won. Vancouver was a game Seattle they could have won. Game they could have tied. Seattle Vancouver, was a game. They, yep. But 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 good teams win win games ugly, uh, you know, a lot, and and they they create their own breaks, and the Galaxy are not doing that. And that goes back to what I was saying. Collectively and individually, this team is really talented. It's not performing that way. 
It is. Uh, by the way, uh, Feel the Berm says, why is the entire organization reporting to the coach? What other, what other team does that? Uh, sporting Kansas City. Uh, and remember, Greg Vanny is also the sporting director. So technically, they're reporting to the sporting director. He's just also the head coach. Um, New England? Uh, New England is that way. Um, Toronto? Toronto is Toronto that way is Bob is Bob, Bob Bradley, Bradley is, yeah. uh, is at the at pretty the sure he's it? in charge of everything okay yeah. all right so yes there are some um in soccer it's it's different than in baseball or football in American football um some teams in American football though too like Andy Reid in Kansas City they're they pretty much run everything Pete Carroll in Seattle so it's not that unusual it's it's not I would say it's not common but I wouldn't say it's not unusual it, it's just it, it's just very interesting um that just how this is all playing out, just all these stacks and levels and layers of things that are happening right now. Um, you know, I, I don't have the answers for you. I, I do think that, you know, uh, I did ask Greg Vanny about starting in a three, five, two, and he says, you know, some of that is personnel and some of it is that he thinks they get overly, uh, overly aggressive in a three, five, two. And he goes, you even saw it whenever we got to play in it for a couple minutes before we went down a man, he goes, we get overly aggressive in the, and the game opens up. When you can be overly aggressive in the three five two, whenever you don't have a, uh, whenever you're not, ha- when you don't have a lead, or whenever you're, whenever you're chasing the game, that's a good, good way to have, you know, in the three five two, you can be overly aggressive. But Vanny wants a more balanced play. That's why he says it. Um, he also says it's something that they have to continue to look at. But what is one thing we said was that Dayon Jovalich, if they ever go to two forwards, seems like Greg Vanny is not going to go with Dayon in the two forward set anymore. He seems like he's going to go with Preston Judd and Chicharito. And what did we see? Jovalich came off and Preston Judd went out there with Chicharito. Now, I have no idea whether or not that would have worked because Costaris got his red card and, uh, you know, everything goes to go sideways uh, real quick. But it would have been an interesting experiment to sort of see um, in those cases. Yes. Can we go back to that last super chat asking about, you know, Greg Vanny being in charge of both things? Right. The thinking behind it, the reason that a lot of coaches, again, like an Andy Reid or a Pete Carroll in the NFL, wanted to do it and why it happens a lot in soccer is because as a coach, you say, here's the way I'm going to play. Here's the kind of players I need. Here's the, the personality of the players I need. And, uh, you know, go. And now as sporting director, I'm, I'm telling my people to go out and get those players. Um, if you have a general manager, the general manager may have a different philosophy. Generally, you hope they're on the same page. Right. The general manager say, you know, I don't want to pay that much for a winger. The, but when you're the guy in charge, you know, it, you have that vision of how your team is going to play. Uh, and so you make all those decisions. Now, the drawback is you don't have someone sitting at the table saying, uh, you know, uh, maybe pushing back and maybe offering some other philosophies. Um, but the, the advantage is you set the way your team is going to play. You decide what personalities you need to make that work. And then you task people to go out and get it. And it's a one step process as opposed to having to convince the general manager that it's worth money spending, worth right. spending money on a winger. Right. Greg well, Vanny's already made that determination. Uh, Bob, by the way, $2 super chat says $2 to rent Ted Lasso from Blockbuster video. That'd be fun. If there was still Blockbuster, you could go rent things at, you know, my kid is never going to have, my kid is on an iPad and just like, I want this. And I'm like, okay. And I type it in. It's like, what, what is even is that childhood? You should have to go to the video store. You should have to remember to rewind the tape, right? You should have to do all that stuff in order to like enjoy the crappy movie that you just, do you remember like get it going to the video store, Kevin, and you'd rent this movie and you were all excited and you'd get home and you'd pop it in and it would be horrible. And you'd be like, Oh man, this is so bad. I remember kids riding bikes without looking like they were in knights in shining armor with elbow pads and knee pads and helmets. You know what? Sometimes you fall down and you get a scrape and it teaches you not to fall down. Yeah. Um, I'll say um, one of the one of the criticisms that should be leveled at the LA Galaxy. And, and, you know, I think we sort of have been 
talking about this through the beginning is that we said, well, they're not going to be a complete team. Remember that we were going to get ready to go into the Rose Bowl and they were going to go do that game and it was going to be this big deal. And we all sat there and said, but that team's not complete yet. Like we know it's not. And even Greg Vanny was like, you know, we still got to we got to worry about this and them being deliberate about the people that they um, go after. Right. Well, that's also the fault of the L.A. Galaxy and the L.A. Galaxy organization. If they don't get caught cheating, then they don't have to be very deliberate about what they're trying to do in this open window. Um, and so that putting the, the team together slowly through the first month, month and a half of the season is a fault of the position that they put themselves in, Kevin, right? Because if it's a normal window, they probably just get the guys they get and they're like, well, we'll just in the summertime. They know they can't do that. And so Greg has been more deliberate with signings and because he's had to change. And as he's pointed out, it's an interesting exercise to have to go through to try and do this where you only get one window and you have to be good for the whole year um, with this one window outside of doing any um, interleague transfers and stuff like that. Um, But that's also a function of the position that the LA Galaxy have put themselves in. Uh, The penalties are a function of that. And Greg tried to tramp and did a good job, I think, tried to tramp down expectations in the preseason. He kept saying, we're not, as you said, we're not complete. We're, we're a work in progress. We're still putting things together. I don't think he thought it would be this bad, but I do think that Greg Vanny did not anticipate the team would be unbeaten at this stage. Um, you know, he knew that this was not a complete team and that it had a lot of holes and, and those have all been exposed. Uh, the crazy thing is that if you go through the the schedule uh, with everything um, sort of coming together, let's go over to April. Um, you can see they have the game against LAFC. That game's coming up 1.30 p.m. Uh, that game is on Apple TV uh, for free and Fox uh, for free. So no excuses. You can watch that game. Uh, then the LA Galaxy will host Austin. Um, then the LA Galaxy go to Orlando. Those those aren't easy games, not with the way the LA Galaxy are playing. So you could no, see them. They could they could be winless after nine games, and then and but then they have the uh, the. They're meeting with Kevin Cabral, the, the reunion. That's the one. That yeah, they there, there's win. zero chance the Galaxy win that game. I'm just telling you, Kevin Cabral is going to score like seven goals. Uh, it just it's going to be one of those. They have San Jose. I mean, there's some easier games that start in May. But the bottom line is, what 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 do we always have to say when the Galaxy get bad, Kevin? All of a sudden, all the teams that you play, oh, this well, this is a tough team, and this is a tough team, and this is a tough. When you're a good team, you're like, oh, well, you I can beat them, and I can beat them. The the schedule gets a lot easier when you're a good team. When you're a bad team, the schedule gets a lot harder. The LA Galaxy right now are a bad team, so that schedule gets harder. Um, I will say that it sort of reminds me. Um, and I said that there's zero chance this team looks like 2017 because 2017 was such a cluster. Um, and just the performances, the, the soccer was so bad. I haven't seen that. The soccer has not been bad. Now, that being said, Saturday night was a 2017 performance. That was a 2017. That was, hey, let me get a red card so I don't have to play in the next game. Hey, let me get ejected out of this game so that way I don't have to play anymore because I don't want to play because that sounds hard. Um, yeah, I, again, I really want to see. One is I think Douglas Cost is going to get at least two games suspended. Um, and then I think Greg Vanny has to come up with some sort of punishment for these guys because the amount to which they screwed the LA Galaxy, both in one game and in two games, uh, because this isn't just about one game. This is about two games. The amount to which Caceres and Costa, and I will put more on Costa because I know Caceres at least is a guy who who we think has some integrity. Uh, I'm not sure Douglas Costa does. Um, and so it's 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 it, they are so what, they are living and dying by him right now, and that's that's what, what, a huge problem. What kind of penalty? I'm thinking maybe he cleans the locker room bathroom with a toothbrush, something like that. I, no, I mean, I, if it was me, unfortunately, it's not really much of a penalty for him, Kevin, but I would I would buy him out. He doesn't get to play for the Galaxy anymore. I remember, okay, this is going to take it way back. 2008, I believe, 
uh, towards the end of the season, there's an international break. Carlos Ruiz uh, is playing against Tim Howard in an international game. And Carlos Ruiz kicks Tim Howard in the head. Uh, it's a dirty play. Whole deal. Carlos Ruiz got traded the next day by Bruce Arena. Not saying those things had anything to do with each other, but Carlos Ruiz never played for the LA, LA Galaxy again. And Bruce, it was sort of almost like Bruce was like, I don't need that on my team. That's the level of of craziness that I think you need from um, from from uh, you know Douglas Costa in this. So you buy him out, you still have a chance to get a designated player in. You can still do that. So um, so anyway, uh, by the way, uh, a six dollar and thirty two cent super chat from executive producer Herb. He says over two hundred people here, and yet only twenty likes. Let's show Josh and Kevin some appreciation. Hit the like button, people. <laughs> See, he's that's why he's executive producer Herb. He's always getting in the the plugs and making what, sure we're doing. Stuff. Where do they come up with these these weird amounts? Is he like paying in euros, and that's the transfer? That's the. Uh, I have no idea. I think he does it just to mess with me. Quite honestly, okay. I, like, sometimes I think they have meaning, and then sometimes they have no meaning, and I don't know what is what has meaning and what doesn't anymore. So I've stopped trying to guess. So you know that that Carlos Ruiz thing. The more I think about that, that, that the was more BS. interesting. That's a that, BS story. I'm just telling. I just know that that no, happened. No, but but it's interesting because it it to me it says something like that has to happen. It has to be something like the midnight seance when Ted Lasso. There has to be not just a hey guys, let's work a little harder this week. There has to be some sort of defining event, and I don't know what it is, or else I'd be the coach. Uh, and Greg Vanny is is going to find that out. You know, he watches Ted Lasso. He probably knows already. <laughs> but there has to be a moment like that. It, it, Douglas Costa has to go. Um, there has to be some event that happens. You know, maybe they just don't practice all week and they 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 get drunk together one night and then that. I mean, it, it does. It has to be something. They got go to go on a slump buster. They have to go on a slump buster. They yeah. got to find a bar. They all go to. They all <laughs> sing karaoke at the bar. Like, I, there's a bunch. Something if, like, if you know the history of slump busters, there's some things that are very not safe for work. We could say, but that type of stuff may be the things that yeah, need to happen. I, I, I think they're in that because they, you know, I, I they had 16 shots in the Houston game. Now a lot of them were from uh, Steph Curry territory, uh, and they weren't good shots, but they had shots. They are getting opportunities. They have four guys with over 10 shots that haven't scored a goal. No other team in MLS. There's 15 guys in MLS with 10, 10 or more shots and no goals. Four of them are on the Galaxy. No other team has more than one. They're getting opportunities. They're not good opportunities. They're not making use of, the of their opportunities. They're not but, good opportunities. So something, so, but, but my point is, I, I do, I do, I really like that Carlos Ruiz story because I do think there needs to be something to get people's attention and, and to say, look, guys, you know, we're, Here's the defining moment. Here's when we turn it around. Yeah. Um, by well, the way, Alex. When, when I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say one last thing with the Carlos Ruiz thing, going back to my baseball days, when the Marlins, when they won the World Series in 2003, one of the things that they had a, a backup catcher named Mike Redman who never played. In fact, when he had to play, he he demanded to be traded. He said, I'm a bench player. I'm not a regular player. Anyway, one of the things he did that season, whenever the team was in a slump, he would go into the batting cages and take batting practice naked. And the whole team would run down and watch him hoping that he'd bounce a foul ball off the plate and see what would happen. But it was funny and everyone enjoyed it. And it, it took their minds off the fact that they weren't winning. I don't think the galaxy should practice naked, but I do think there's something that can be done to change the mindset. That's the kind of stuff we're talking it's, about. It's, it's almost like I was, so when I was thinking about, you know what they need is they need, and I, this is probably the only time you ever hear me say this. Uh, they need Omar Gonzalez to run naked through the locker room. Like he used to do um, on, on those 2012, 2013, 2014, uh, you know, days. Maybe, maybe how, that's how good were those teams? How good were those? Teams? Apparently nudity solves everything, Kevin. That's what basically what we're trying to say <laughs> on this show, which is why I'm taking my shirt off. Um, it's please don't I won't No, the 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 camera can't handle that type of brightness anyway it would just white out it would be gone 
Um, I, I wanted to say this was the thing that you were sort of pointing out, and I wanted to bring in Alex gave. So the, the stat is there are 15 players in Major League Soccer this season with 10 plus shots and zero goals. Four of them play for the LA Galaxy and no other team has one. And it's Ricky Puj has who has 17. Gaston Brugman, who has 13. Preston Jedu is 12. Memo Rodriguez, who has 10. But then Alex Ruiz, as is the genius that he is. And I love Alex. Um, Alex says, but here is their average shot distance. Puj is from 25.3 yards out. Brugman from 25.4 yards. Judd at least is inside the box at 12.6. And then you have Memo Rodriguez at 23.8. So you have, th- yeah, those four guys, three of those guys are shooting from 25 yards out every single time. Yeah, and, and those are extra points in football now. Yeah. And, and, and so I think it's going to be, um, I, I, so that's sort of putting that in a thing again, the XG that we sort of uh, go through Alex again, to put it in perspective, if you're not following Alex, I will tell you I'm, I'm Alex's number one fan. So, um, and I have been forever, but, uh, follow Alex. He says, uh, through seven matches, galaxy ranks second to last and underperforming XG across MLS with a minus 5.3. So they are, they have f- minus 5.3 less goals than they should have. According to expected goals, their expected goals. Now we talk about expected goals in the LA galaxy and how they chip away at it. And they don't often have very good shots and chances. So some of this is a little misleading, but LA has two players in the top 10 players in the league who are underperforming their XG. Seventh is Preston Judd. He's minus one point four. And Dayon Jovalich is ninth with minus one point three. Now remember Dayon was the opposite last year where he was outperforming his XG by like plus five or plus six. If I remember some crazy number like that. So maybe this is regression to the mean. But it also shows, again, the Galaxy are not having good chances. The other thing we know, the Galaxy and the block shots, we know they're not getting good looks. Why do we think that is? One is I don't think they have a very good striker who is constantly pushing the back line. So the back line is able to step up and get in front of these. The other thing is width, 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 yeah. width. And, and, and you're exactly right because they're shooting. You know, why are they shooting from distance? Because the other team is, is packing the box. With defenders, why are they doing that? Because the Galaxy are not out wide. They they don't have to move wide. And we even saw that in the Portland game, where the Galaxy would bring guys down the wing, and the Portland defenders would pay no attention to them because they go, "You're not going to do anything out there. You guys are playing up the middle. You're not doing." Anything. So these guys are shooting from distance because they can't get into the box. Um, go wide, and that opens that up. And then when Chicharito plays regularly, I also think a presence in the box is not going to have Ricky Puig shooting, Push. Push, shooting from 25 yards because Chicharito is going to be in the box in position. Uh, you know, waiting for a cross. So yeah. I, I think all that changes with certainly, I think that's number one. And then Chicharito, insert Chicharito into now what should be some open spaces around the six yard box and everything changes. Um, Michael, by the way, $2 super chat says, you think the 3252 will take over our supporter group sections? I don't think that will happen. I think the Galaxy will probably make sure that that, that, that doesn't happen. But if it does, I think we've already talked about it. There may be nothing coming back from that. Um, Sharon, by the way, says, it, gives us $5 and says, this is a family show. This is, this is a family huh. show. I think we're doing good. We're right on PG-13. PG-13, you can see like a little bit of nudity. That's what I'm saying. So I could just show you a little bit, maybe just one side. What, what is the 3252? What What is maybe some, maybe a, we'll get a super chat for the end of the show, which is I know is coming up. But what's the etiquette for supporters? Um, does the 3252 honor the, the boycott? Probably not, right? They don't have to. It's no. not like a, a picket line. They, no, they, they can don't cross care. a picket line. They want to. Okay. I mean, listen, if you're any group right now, if you will get a chance to come into the LA Galaxy's house and stomp on them, you're going to do it, right? This is this is for all the years the LA Galaxy were good. This is for all the times everybody said, well, they can do no wrong. Bruce Arena is a genius. Look at all the stuff that they do. It's just top of the class. They're just the best. They get all the coverage. They get all the positive things. Guess why they get positive coverage? Because they won, by the way. Just wanted to point that out. You want positive coverage, win games. You want negative coverage, 
programs like this show um, than, than have the de- absolute debacle that was in Houston. I was trying to explain this to, uh, to my oldest because I was in Colorado. I was trying to explain this and I'm like, yeah, they didn't play very well tonight, but it's not just that. It's more than that. It's the fact of how they lost. I go because, you know, we were playing mini golf uh, the day before uh, and Grayson almost took me down, uh, blew, the, blew the lead on 17. Uh, I ended up sinking a good shot on 18 and ended up winning by two strokes. Grayson was upset. I was like, hey, you played well, though. I go, yeah, you blew it on 17 and you gave up. You gave up that that lead that you had. I go, but you played well. And that's a that's a good Vic. That's a good way to lose. I go what the L.A. Galaxy did. That is the worst way to lose. That is how people lose whenever they're drunk and they're playing on Sunday afternoons in the park. That's how they lose. And that's how the L.A. Galaxy lost. Did you get a, did you get a green jacket? I, I didn't. I didn't. But I did get a handshake, so that was nice. We we always take off the hat and hand, shake hands afterwards. It was it was, it was nice. Um, and then we did. Uh, then we went and played uh, sabotage mini golf after that. Which if you haven't done that, gets pretty physical. So uh, it's it was a good time. So we had a we had a good time in Colorado, but it was a whole deal. So, um, all right. I mean, that's where we're at. That's where the LA Galaxy are at. Um, Let's see. What is it? Aaron, $5 super chat. Would you say it's time to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? Who know, Do you know what that is the reference of, Kevin? I don't. I'm out. I do not. Okay. I'm out. Aaron will. Probably something they had at Blockbuster at some point. It might have been. No, 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 no. I'm good. Um, you know, now you have to go. This is the whole thing. We, we, we told you about this. Uh, LA Galaxy LAFC coming up on uh, Sunday. So one of the few Sunday games, 1.30 p.m. time. That's uh, 1.55 p.m. kickoff time, by the way, 25-minute lead-in. Uh, so TV is Fox uh, and then Apple TV for free, both of those on free over the air or free for Apple TV. So no complaints. April 16th is where it is at, Dignity Health Sports Park. This is, you know, this is it. We'll have a show on Thursday that sort of breaks that down. But, I mean, I don't know what else to sort of expect from this Galaxy team now. They have they have put me in a situation now, Kevin, where I don't know because I expected a reaction against Houston. And you didn't see that. Um, in fact, you saw the opposite. They melted down. So now you really do need a reaction against LAFC. And I'm not sure you can trust this team with the emotional state that they're in right now. Um, I don't know that you can trust them to do that. And that's a scary proposition for the LA Galaxy. And that's something I think that Greg Vanny has to worry about. Remember, the players say, and according to at least one player I talked to, says Vanny hasn't lost this team. So how does he bring them together for this game on Sunday? And then how do they react for him? And is was that game a turning point and can be used for better? And that's something I don't think we'll, we'll know. Well, well I, I agree with that player. I'm a big Vanny supporter. And, and the, th- the thing is, for those of you calling for Greg Vanny to be fired, that's only half the equation. The other half is who do you hire who's better? And I don't Jesse know if there's anybody out there. Jesse Marsh. Well, I don't, Jesse Marsh is not coming to MLS. Neither is Greg Berhalter. So um, I, I think Greg Vanny is the best option right now. And I I don't think he's on the hot seat. I don't think he should be. However, I do think that he's tried, if he's a good coach, and I think he is, he's tried most everything. And you saw where it led in Houston. One guy doesn't want to shake his hand when he comes off, and two other guys get red carded. So Vanny has to really now look out outside the box, naked batting practice, something. There has to be something. I just don't think he 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 had a locker room talk. That's why he was late, by the way. Yes. In speaking oh, to you I after need, the game, I need to talk about that too. I just want yeah, to clarify. So that. that's why he was late. He had a locker room. He aired the team out in the locker room afterwards. That's the traditional stuff. I don't think the traditional stuff is going to work. I think there has to be some sort of Carlos Ruiz type solution. I don't know what it is. Um, I trust Greg Vanny to find it, but it's going to have to be something like that that's going to turn this team around. Something that when we look back at this season, we'll talk about 
how they were before Carlos Ruiz and how they were after. I think it's going to be that that much of a break. Uh, Gary gave us a twelve dollar and thirty four cent uh, super chat. That one's one two three four. So I can figure those ones out. Uh, thank you oh, for the show, fellas. Like thank it. you, Gary. Appreciate that. Uh, Michael uh, gave us a two dollar super chat. Says uh, they've never beaten us at, at Dignity Health Sports Park. Of course, talking about LAFC. So that's there. Let's talk real quick about what happened afterwards because I know their Galaxy players are taking a little heat on not coming and talking to the media afterwards. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened because I was there. Um, and I was one of the people who was more or less in charge of, of trying to get people to talk and, and coordinating with the LA galaxy. So I can tell you what happened. Uh, Greg Vanny took forever to get there. Kind of expected that wasn't really super surprised. Imagine he was yelling at people. He said the discussion was productive and, and a good one. Um, but I have to imagine the best thing is if you go listen to his, um, his, his quotes, Kevin, he, he almost drops the F bomb. He goes, that'll never. F-, and he, he stops himself. And I'm like, yeah, because we all know that when Greg Vanny's in that locker room, that dude has the mouth of a sailor. And so, you know, he was in there reading people to riot. You know, he was in there, you know, uh, uh motivating, chastising, telling everybody how embarrassing that was. And we talked about the whole brand thing. And I would say that he's absolutely right. Uh, whenever he talks about brand, I know people who got upset about that. Um, but I would say he's absolutely right. The brand, the thing that is nationwide, the thing that is worldwide is taking hits right now for the performances and the actions of the club as a whole. So absolutely the brand is taking a hit. And that brand is something that the LA galaxy hold so dear to themselves. Whenever they talk about, well, does, does, does anybody know who LAFC is in the UK? And it used to be, no, nobody knows. Everybody just thinks it's the LA galaxy. There's only one team in LA, the whole deal. That brand has been eroding because of the things that are happening and the performance against Houston and the debacle that probably got picked up on highlights all across the world because it's the LA Galaxy, that hurts your brand. You want to bring players in? The players are worried about that brand. They want to be at the best club in Los Angeles. The best club in Los Angeles right now is LAFC. That's where those guys want to go. So when you have these great debacles, think about Julian uh, Julian uh, Ade, he's coming in. He's supposed to be there to sort of get the feel for what an MLS game is. And he comes into that clown show, right? That hurts your brand. So you can be upset that he didn't say club. And I understand if that's, if that you really want to parse words about it, right? But he's right. It is about worldwide embarrassment for the LA galaxy and what is happening right now. All right. So that was, that was the thing there. So Greg Vanny got done talking. Now I had requested, and there's a lot of things that have to happen after a game. One is that they have a certain time they have to be out of the stadium by because they have to get to the airplane. And I'd actually push back a little bit. And I said, you know, it sucks that you guys leave and that you don't talk to us and that we can't get everybody that we want when you control the bus and you control the airline flights. Right, yeah, and you it's charter charter. now. Back in back right. in the day when it was commercial, yes, right. totally. But gotta go, gotta go. But that's not true anymore. It is true though, because those no, it, charter flights put in flight plans, and those flight plans have to be put in beforehand. Totally true. And you're I'm talk, you're talking to a pilot. I I know that this is true. Right now, can, you can amend flight plans. Right, you can push and you can sort of. You don't want to do that because you kind of lose your place. You have like reservations in yeah, the sky. Yeah, but but it ha- I mean, it happens in baseball all the time. Games go extra innings on a getaway day. And right. They push the flight. I, I and I get that, and that's those guys filing flights. The, the everything is sort of. Listen, I'll tell you the the difference between like a charter in Major League Baseball and the charter in MLS is there's still a big difference between those things, right? Like it's not like a 757 that has all first 
first class seats and, you know, booze in the cabinets right next to it and all this. You know, these guys are basically getting a 737 that has some nice seats in it, but it's not the nicest plane ever in the history of things. And the charter company they're using is not like they're at their beck and call. They're for hire. You hire them and it works. So that was one of the things. So I agree with that. And, and I said that is correct. And, and I, I agree. So but there's a time limit. But then it, you have to try to find somebody who can talk. Sasha Kleshin came out and retweeted me and basically was saying no Galaxy players talked. And that's embarrassing. Basically, you know, you always need somebody to talk, which is hysterical because while I was sitting there after the game, Kevin, I was going, you know who I would have called for this one? Sasha Kleshin, like in yeah. a heartbeat. It, I wouldn't even had to ask. Vicky probably would have been like, you want to talk to Sasha? I'm like, yeah, it's going to be Sasha. And then Sasha would have ran out there to do it. So or Victor Vasquez or Victor, Victor Vasquez, Vasquez would have done it as well. So we were trying, I was trying to figure out who was that person for this. Who's going to give me something that I, that a perspective of the players and be honest about it without saying. So I said, Mark Delgado played in the midfield. He's one of those guys who you can usually trust to sort of tell it how it is. And he could have been the player's spokesperson, I think, and, and done a good job for that. Um, and he had treatment afterwards. And so we were trying to wait for them and they're like, listen, we may miss this because we're waiting on treatment. And so I was like, well, we need Mark. We need somebody, you know, to talk the whole deal. And so we went through that and eventually it timed out at the end. I, How about the guy with the art band? Oh, uh, Gaston Brugman. So Brugman's been, yeah. well, we again, and, and we know this because of time crunches, we usually don't have time to do the translations. Right. And so that causes a problem. I agree. I don't like that rule. I'm just telling you the things that we have to deal with whenever picking somebody. So I will say this, that uh, we asked for Mark Delgado and it timed out. In, in doing it, I think I screwed up and, and I talked to the galaxy a little bit about it too. I said, I screwed up. I should have said, you need to send somebody. I would like Mark Delgado, but if it's not him, it needs to be someone, um, you know, and that sort of let those guys skate. And I don't like that. But, but see, the, the galaxy are supposed to, these people in the, in, the, in the communications department, and they are, they are supposed to be professional communications people, and they are, and a professional communications person would know that, holy crap, this thing is going south. We have a real problem we better get somebody out there apparently Ch i had heard chicharito was willing to that's talk what i heard said, no, afterwards you're, as well you're gonna t you're gonna talk thursday he can't talk twice lebron james talks every game i know they had to have somebody there and i think a a, a crisis management pr person would look at that and say we got to get somebody in front of the cameras right away to put this fire out and they uh, didn't do it and so the fire is still burning right and i just want to say that part of that is my fault because i didn't do the job i think i should have done as well so i and i screwed that up right and being uh, you weren't on there. Damien wasn't on there. Scott wasn't on there. Um, I was, I guess the elder statesman on there. Alex was on there. I was on there. I think Sophie was on there. Uh, there was a couple other people who were, who were on there as well. But for the most part, I guess I, I sort of had the seniority on everybody. So it was, I guess my calls. Um, so I screwed that up. Um, and so, uh, it's limited and we always try to work with people. And I always try to be, listen, I don't need somebody to talk after every single game. That's never, it's not like, so, but for that game, it should have been more important. So I screwed that up a little bit. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll get that fixed next time. Next time I'll know. It's like, you just have to have somebody talk. That's what has to happen. Somebody has to talk because that's going to be the best for everybody. You need somebody to talk. But, right. You need someone to talk and the galaxy knew that and they should have known that and they should have taken care of that and they shouldn't have used travel as an excuse. Hey, put them on the phone on the bus. You know what? They're, they're you know, it doesn't have to be zoom. Put them on the phone on the bus. Somebody needs to talk. And the strategy that we go through in the media, and I think you're, you, you do the same thing is after a game like that, you don't necessarily want the guy that, that, you don't want Jonathan Klinsman. He gave up three goals. You don't right. want you want a veteran to speak about the big picture. Yeah. Where are we in terms of, hey, six games of the season without a win? What's the mood like in the locker room? That's when Sasha and Victor Vasquez and those guys were so great at stepping up 
and saying that. And then you see you, there's other guys throughout the league at, at, at the other team in L.A. too who don't speak when they lose. And those are the guys that 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 they're not the character guys. You know, you right. want someone that will come in and say, hey, we didn't get it done. We're going to fix it. The, the kind of stuff that Sasha as a complete pro would say. And um, <laughs> then he called just, him out, just, by the way. Sasha is that pro. He called out his old teammates. That's not easy for yeah. him to do. Um, and again, I just want to be above board and clear about my role in the, in that dysfunction at the end there. Um, but I waited for a very long time. I want you to know Alex waited for a very long time. There were a bunch of people we waited for. I don't know what time it was. Uh, let's see. Uh, what time did the game start? Um, 6.30. I mean, I want to say it was 10.30, which was 9.30 West Coast time, but it was 10.30, almost 11 o'clock by the time I got done on the, uh, uh, on the mountain time zone when I was there. So um, that's, that's it. Uh, that's that's sort of one of the things that uh, that we have. By the way, uh, ten dollars super chat from Patrick uh, says COG still the champs. I don't know about that. Uh, I can take the L's like a, like anybody. Uh, I did say that Douglas Costa was going to be a key to this LA Galaxy team. I just didn't know that it was they were going to unlock the door and let the inmates run out when, with that key. So wow, you're taking a lot on yourself in this show. You know, blaming yourself for the press conference going south. Great, blaming yourself for Douglas Costa. Yep, Mike Gray by the way was waiting. He had the nice uh, the the uh, what do you the cup holder cam going on in the car. Uh, with that, that's always nice. Whenever you get that low angle and the lights buzzing by on the side and stuff like that, so that's always always funny. But for most of it, it was just Alex and I staring into each other's eyes, waving back and forth. That was it. Um, so you know, good time was had by all, I guess. Um, I think that's it. I think so. I think that's that's. So all what I happens this weekend? I know you're going to think about Thursday, but what happens this weekend? Galaxy lose. Um, three one. That's I, wow. I gave him one goal. I don't know who's going to score. Chicharito because he's going to play. So yeah, three one. Let's say that I, I can okay. go that and I reserve the right to completely change my mind on Thursday because lots of stuff happens between now and Thursday. So let's see what happens uh, whenever that has. Um, I'm not going to let you pick because I feel like that's you're not allowed to and I don't want you to. So no, I, I, I just have a bad feeling. I think this game could be really, really ugly. Now it's a El Trafico. The Galaxy could win six nothing. But in my bones, I just feel like with everything swirling around, um, can I? Can uh, it I? Could, it could get really ugly. Can I tell you outside of the playoff game uh, last uh, last year, where uh, the Galaxy went and lost through two? Um, can I tell you that I've never picked the LA Galaxy to win in El Trafico? I want you to know that that has never happened. I've never picked. But they them. actually lead. The, they've actually been more successful. They've won yes. more times in LA. Yes. Yeah. Oh, by, by the way, but, by the way, I really wanted to point this out. Uh, there's some smart Alex in here who like to go after the game and then go, how those predictions hold up. We literally call them predictions guaranteed <laughs> to go wrong. I go, and you did. And by the way, you really do a lot whenever you don't have a podcast that's heard by eight or 9,000 people a week and you make up, you don't, you don't, your opinion didn't go out there. I'm on the line every single week, twice a week. I'm the only one out of all the co-hosts who get literally can be wrong twice a week, every week. And I am wrong most of those times. So I don't want to hear it whenever you come in. That's another way to get blocked. That and using the word excuses. If you use the word excuse, you're getting blocked too. Go ahead. Well, here, here's another thing about this game though. You talked about that Houston game was winnable when it was 2 nothing. Okay, so I'm going to say... I, if, I will say... The, yes, go ahead. I, I, will, I, will, if, I, I think you twist that a little bit, but yes, I thought the Galaxy could be competitive at 2 nothing with all three DPs and, and the formation they were in. Yes, continue. So if, if this game with LAFC is 2 nothing in the 60, 65th minute, somewhere around there, 2 nothing LAFC, they lose. the Galaxy... I'm going to be really interested to see what happens. Do, do then the Galaxy just implode and the game ends 5 nothing, or do the Galaxy show some fight? I don't know. It's now traffic. Anything happens. I, I can't tell. All I do know is I do have to leave the trains early in order to get to the game. And so yeah, I'm I, already I a little upset your, about that. I want to see you in your Casey Jr. uniform. At that's, the game. that's probably the not going to happen. The, 
probably not going to happen. That's like 90% chance that's not going to happen. But uh, anyway, that's where it is. All right. Anything else? Are we good? Can we go? I want to go. I, I had I had nothing when we started. I just. Everybody knew that. I don't know. They could tell. Yeah, they it was it. obvious. Uh, all right. I think that'll do it. Uh, game coming up on uh, Sunday. Again, LA Galaxy. Who, who do they play? Yeah. Oh, LAFC. LAFC. Yeah, that's right. El Trafico yeah. coming up uh, April 16th, 2023. Uh, 1.30 p.m. and 1.55 p.m. is your kickoff MLS season pass on Apple TV for free, or of course, on Fox for free as well. So no excuses why you can't watch this one. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter, you can find him at kbaxter11 and head on over to latimes.com. Uh, that's where you can find him. Uh, well, you were in Uganda, and you have some stories coming out I from was. that, right? Okay. That's, that just, I do. Just say yes, nope. and we'll catch up on what, what One will be going up on the web at 3 a.m. You okay. can check that out. I'm not sure. in sports. Okay, not in sports. All right, very good. Uh, again, Kevin Baxter, latimes.com. If you're looking... I'm a foreign correspondent now. That's right, you are. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. That's where you can find our press conferences. Uh, and then, of course, all of our shows and all that fun stuff as well. All right. Hope everybody had a, uh, a decent enough Sunday after a disastrous Saturday night. Things will get better. A traffic coming up on Sunday. We'll see how that goes. Show on Thursday to get you ready for that. All right. For Mr. Kevin, the Panda, Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.